this has been, <clears throat> excuse me, a lazy day. Um, I got back from my daughter's yesterday and, you know, just one of those things, you know, a day after coming back, <clears throat> I put about a thousand miles on my car cruising around Wyoming and going to Yellowstone. So today was a day of rest. Of course, when I got up to leave this afternoon to go get fuel and run an errand, boom, I find Laura outside in my yard pulling weeds. Yeah, that's dedication. <clears throat> Good. Cleared my throat. I don't feel like I'm going to yawn. Let me get started. Let's get on with it, as the saying goes. Um, anyone who knows that I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, Mormon, as some people would say, we... We've been asked to refer to it as the church's name, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The slang we're encouraged not to use. However, some people do not make the connection, so you have to say the you know the Mormon Church, and then the lights come on. But besides that, people who know I'm a, a member or a saint, as they say, they know my religious beliefs, but they don't really know the deep stuff unless they've asked me and we've had discussions on it. I never go into the deep water. I just don't. Because most people do not have a sufficient foundation in Christianity or knowledge of God to understand stuff if you went deep. So it's not trying to be mystic or you know, an elitist is the fact that they wouldn't understand it anyway, so why would you talk to someone about something that you know they probably will not be able to understand? However, some do have a pretty good knowledge, and um, they're able to be conversed with and to talk about these things. Well, one person in particular, whose name I won't mention, yes, it's a he, so don't freaking wonder if it's some woman again. I mean, people always ask me that. Is it a woman? It's not like, like, not every person I'm involved with is a woman, please. Thank goodness. Anyway, he was asking me, um, we we're talking about Satan and evil and stuff like that. Well, his level of understanding, and it's Christian-based, um, you know, there's Satan, he rebelled against God, he was kicked out. See, he knows the rudimentary um, elements of the story. He knows that Satan was an angel, second in authority. Um, he knows that he was a light bearer, Lucifer. He knows that he rebelled against God and was ejected from heaven. Um, he didn't realize he was sent to this earth. He thought he was sent out to hell. I said, no, he, he was sent. It says he was cast down to earth. He's here. <laughs> this is where he's at. Perhaps it explains, that probably explains why he has such great influence because he's right here. He's in the neighborhood, so to speak. Well, anyways, as we continued our conversation, his belief of evil and its objective was to get us, you know, to commit unpardonable sins, that we would murder or shed innocent blood, deny the Holy Ghost. I mean, those are really serious sins. I mean, super serious. And they are condemning sins, meaning you're condemned to hell forever. When you, if you shed innocent blood or commit uh, blasphemy, blaspheme the Holy Ghost or blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, those are unforgivable sins. Yeah, they're the abracadabras of sin, cardinal. Um, but his understanding was if you didn't commit those, um, you would, you'd go to heaven. You wouldn't go to hell. And I said, no. Um, and he didn't. It was, it was evident from talking to him that he did not understand 
that there are three distinct um, existences. Aside, and I'm not going to go into the deep. I'm going to stick to the, there's heaven, life with God. There's damnation, which means you are not, you don't become perfected. You're stopped at a certain point. And then there is outer darkness, as you know, Latter-day Saints call it, or hell. He didn't understand that there were those three distinct, uh, you know, areas or three distinct existences. He thought there was heaven and hell. And I said, no, there's not heaven and hell because God specifically talks about heaven. He talks about damnation, which means our progress stops. We can't become like God because at some point we cease to, you know, progress or develop. And then there is actual hell where you're sent to live with Satan if you commit sins worthy of being sent to hell. But he was a little surprised with how I was portraying things. Well, then when we got into talking about sins, um, he said, well, you know, his, his feeling was, well, as long as you don't commit the real bad ones, things will be okay for you. And, and I tried to tell him, no, you have to repent of all sin and, uh, you know, to be forgiven in order to have an opportunity to become like God and live with God. You have to forsake and repent of your sins. But then I talked to him about a concept he'd never considered. He was really quite surprised when I mentioned it. Because I said, well, you know, there'll be a lot of people who will not choose to go to heaven. He could, he'd never even thought about that. And he said, what? And I said, yeah, there's going to be people. I said, you have to understand how Satan works. You know, you know, from the scriptures, you have to, from reading the scriptures, you have to gain the understanding of how he really operates. He, you can almost say he's comprehensive in his approach. He knows that some people you can get them to commit unpardonable sins. He knows that some people you can get them to commit murder. Some people won't, other people will. Some men will rape women, other men won't. Some men will violate children. Other men won't. Um, some people will steal. Some won't. So in other words, the graduation of sins is as unique to an individual uh, in, in their effect as they are to the sin itself. And what I was trying to explain to him was this. Is I said, he wants, I, I said, no, he knows that he cannot get everybody to commit murder. So he does the next best thing. But I said, everything he does is geared for one purpose, and that is to draw men away from God, men and women. He's trying to lead us away from God to any, any degree possible, because if he can get us away from God and godly influences, then we become more like the natural man spoken in the scriptures. We become natural and we become sinful. We're more... Um, prone to committing sins and not repenting of sins. Um, and over a period of time, men will stop praying, women too. They'll stop reading their scriptures. So the very things that draw men to God, or man, I should say, men and women, his efforts are to draw us away. I said C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape letters said it best when Screwtape was writing to um was this Uncle Wormwood? Uncle Screwtape. Screwtape was writing to the apprentice, his nephew, Wood, uh, Wormwood. And he wrote to him that it doesn't matter the sin. I'm going to paraphrase. He said it doesn't matter the sin, be it cards or whatever. 
what is important is that it draws the man away from God, away from the light. And he says how the soft, in other words, the soft road slightly going down. In other words, you can slowly and carefully lead a person away from God to where they don't even they don't even realize they're moving away from him. They they don't feel the shock. It's like you know, you've heard this so many times. I I hate to use the example, but where you put frogs in water and they're used to the cold water, but you turn so you put them on the stove and you turn the heat up and gradually increase the heat and they'll stay in that water until they actually cook. Yeah, because they become acclimated to the temperature of the water and they don't realize they're actually cooking. Men and women are the same way. Humans are the same way. If you can get them to do a little bit of a sin and, you know, and then let it rest and a little bit more, if you gradually get men and women to commit sin, their consciences become hardened. So what they did before, like maybe they told a lie and they felt bad about it. And the person said, well, you didn't hurt anybody. You know, if you would have told the truth, you would have hurt their feelings. Well, then they get used to lying to people to not hurt their feelings. Then they're lying about their income taxes. They're lying about this. And pretty soon they're lying about almost everything because that's what happened. Lying is a contagious disease of a person. People who start with white lies, as they term them, end up telling the blackest lies you could dream up because that's the nature of lying. You lie more frequently and you lie on a, on a more ma you know, magnificent level. You, I mean, your lies are become a quote unquote unbelievable because they're, they're so, they're just such a lie that people just look at you like, can't believe you're even saying it because it's such a lie. But those people, by then, their consciences are so seared, they don't feel the violation because they have lied so much, they've hardened their conscience, they've numbed it. Well, that's how he works. And if you can get somebody, or I should say if he, is able to get somebody drawn away from God just by lying, he's happy. I mean, they could be morally clean. They could be, um, you know, people who were very nice to people, very helpful. In other words, they could be very good people, but they could have the unrepentant sin of lying. Or um, I knew a man years ago who was cheating on his wife, but because he was only having oral sex and I call it playing grab ass because it was just, they would have foreplay, you know, kissing and all that kind of stuff. And then grabbing her in various places. And then she would give him oral sex. Well, because he didn't actually have sexual intercourse, he convinced himself he wasn't cheating on his wife. I was horrified. When he told me, I was so shocked because I couldn't understand how he got to the point where he convinced himself that he was not cheating on her. So when I suggested, well, what would you do if your wife started doing what that woman's doing with some other guy? Well, then he freaked out, you know, Just, I mean, literally freaked out. And I said, but that's what you're doing to your wife. And you say it's not cheating. So why would it be cheating if your wife started doing it? Freaked out again on me. Then I realized it's too much. But the, I guess what I'm trying to say is that as a person, an individual, myself included, um, you really have to be careful. You have to examine your life and you have to examine the things that you do in your life 
to ensure that you're not moving away from godly influences and God himself, as a matter of fact. Um, reading the scriptures is one of the, of all the things you could do, reading the scriptures and saying your prayers are two of the most basic things a person can do to ensure that they continue their relationship with God. Repenting should be the next. So if you read your scriptures, say your prayers, and repent of your sins, the most basic thing a person can do, you're in much better shape than if you don't. Because what you're doing is you're keeping yourself exposed to God and the influences of his spirit. Now, if you decide that reading your scriptures is boring, and I know people have told me that. I don't read my scriptures, Brother Holden. It's boring. I'm thinking, boring? The instruction for your salvation and exaltation bores you? But if they say it bores them, it bores them. You know, that's their choice. Um, I have never known anybody who went from the highest heights to the lowest lows in one moment. Never known anybody. It was always a gradual. Now, sometimes it was a few steps to the edge of the cliff and then they jumped off, meaning um, they thought about things and they hung around people who were doing questionable things. And um, I remember at a party one time, um, this woman was known to be, they called her a man eater. <laughs> I mean, that's not a very nice term, but she was very flirtatious and she was very sexual. She was married, but her husband, I don't know what the hell was wrong with her husband. He just didn't seem to care. You know, he's, he's one of those guys. He had his, you know, he went fishing and hunting and, you know, and his wife was, you know, a little frumpy. She wasn't some, you know, gorgeous woman, but she was attractive and she was fun and she was flirtatious and she, she would grab your crotch. You had to be careful around this woman. Um, so what ended up happening by her, you know, flirtation and stuff like that, she had been known to hook up with married men. Um, usually she'd befriend the wife and they'd have a relationship. And, you know, next thing you know, she's doing a husband once in a while or something. Well, anyway, I stayed away from her, like freaking stayed away. But the point is, is she saw nothing wrong with her behavior. She had become numb to to the wrongness of what she was doing, you know, and maybe it was partially because she wasn't so you know her husband wasn't bothering with I don't know what all the ins and outs are, but what I'm just saying is that she got to the point where she didn't see anything wrong with what she was doing. She really didn't, and he didn't seem to care. So it was like, well, he doesn't care, which I don't think he really did. He didn't seem to care. If you get to that point where you cannot discern the difference between right and wrong and you don't get the feelings of the spirit, you know, that pangs of the conscience telling you that what you've done is wrong, you're in trouble. That's a terrible state to be. It's like a person who loses the, the nerve feelings in their arm and hand so they can't feel pain and, and they're leaning on the barbecue talking to somebody and it's, all, it's only after smelling burnt flesh do they realize that they're burning their hand. That's what it's like. Without the pains of a conscience, we're not bent, brought to a sense of our guilt so we can repent of the sins we committed. And people who get that way in their, in their hearts will not feel those pains of the conscience and they will not repent of their sins. They will go forward doing what they do. And that is getting deeper and deeper and further away, further and further away from God. 
Uh, I have a phone call coming on my other phone, so i got to close this out. Think about that. The sole aim of Satan is to draw you away from God. That's it. And if he can get you to commit the, the serious sins, wonderful. If he can't, he'll take whatever he can. And what he wants to take from you is your opportunity to become like God. That's really what it boils down to. All right, goodbye.